E3 2019 came in all of its gaming majesty, and we're going to talk all about it in this episode of Cheerful Ghost Radio. Cheerful Ghost Radio is a podcast from the Cheerful Ghost community about interesting stuff in gaming and other various bits of nerdery. Hey everyone, my name's John Dotson, and today I'm joined by... Travis. And Tim. And today we're going to talk about the coolest news bits straight out of E3 that we're really excited about. We're not going to cover everything, just the highlights we enjoyed. And if you had something you thought was cool, let us know on Cheerful Ghost what you liked in E3 of 2019. But before we get into our E3 news attack, let's talk about what we've been playing and what we've been watching, starting out with Tim. What you been playing and watching? Yeah, so my playing and watching portion is going to be kind of boring because it is exactly the same as last time. Uh, Still working on Spider-Man, the PS4 game. Uh, According to the intro screen, I am 89% done with the campaign, so I'm going to be wrapping that up here pretty soon. And I'm still working on Final Fantasy XII, the uh, Zodiac Age remake. As far as what I've been watching, uh, not a lot. We've been very busy. I actually have not spent a lot of time at home. And so uh, my wife and I have just been kind of, you know, watching reruns of old stuff instead of anything new because we've just been too tired. (laughs) So that's about it for me. Buckle up, everyone. We're old now. All right, Travis. (laughs) Have you been too tired? Are you giving up on consuming media as well? Uh, No, no, I have not. I have not. Um, So what I've been playing uh, less and less of Fallout 76 because I kind of want to wait for their new big things that they've added that they've announced for later in the year. And we'll get into that later in the show. But, you know, still playing a little bit of that. Uh, I got more into... Devil May Cry 5, which is a seriously fantastic game. If you like that series, you should definitely check that one out. Um, I probably put it second or third best so far. Um, Also, on PlayStation Plus, I can't remember what's the name of that game. Sonic Mania. Uh, It started off... Well, I think what happened, Sega hired a fan like a guy who did fan games to do this game for them. And it is like, seriously, probably the best 2d Sonic game that has ever existed. It's so good. Um, you got some of the same levels that you remember from other games, uh, that then like you'll play the first level through and it's exactly what you remember. Then the second one is a total remix of, of the old style. And like, honestly, the new kind of remixes on these old levels feel better than the original. It's insane how good this game is. Um, probably about halfway through that and can't wait to dive into the DLC on it. Uh, they've added some new characters to it whose names I can't even remember that I don't care for much, but no, it's, it's a great Sonic game. Um, also, I agree. I have it on uh, the Switch, which I got a really good deal on the Sonic Mania Ultra, whatever. And it's amazing. Oh, it is. Yeah, if you love Sonic, it's a love letter to the Sonic games that you love. But it sort of makes them better in a way. It really does. It makes 
Like he can go fast instead of just maybe going fast and then you go really fast, then you hit a bunch of, you know, like spikes and you really can't go fast. <laughs> it's really <laughs> cool. It's really cool. And if you watch it being speed run, um, it's incredible. So yeah, Sonic Mania. Yeah, I need to check out some speedruns of that. I could imagine that would be kind of nuts. <laughs> um, also, on Switch, I've been playing a little bit of the Katamari Damacy uh, HD remake. I can't remember exactly what the title of that is, but if you played it on the PlayStation 2 and like, you're fine with that, there's not a ton of reason to jump onto this unless you just want to play it on a different platform. There are like, a lot of the kind of annoying quirks about the controls that they fixed in the in the sequel and all the sequels are still there in this like they just straight up ported it and improved the graphics that's all they've done to it but still if you've never played a katamari game and you have a switch you should check this out because the katamari games are insane and amazing uh also last night Maybe the night before last, I, di- I decided to dive back into Rage 2 to check out the new mech they added. And I'm just really underwhelmed by that thing. Like, they kept kind of hyping it up, and there's just not a lot of fun to be had in it. Like, it's a mech. You'd think this would feel like a, a badass thing that you have, but I would much prefer to just fight like normal. Like It was just kind of kind of disappointing but i agree it's like someone sat in a room and said okay okay everyone are you ready for the greatest idea for rage 2 <laughs> yeah we're ready we're ready okay what if you could go way slower than you want to go <laughs> exactly wait exactly. a minute what what else okay no 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 wait there's more there's more oh okay all right and and none of the attacks feel good wait what why would you? Oh, also, and when you're going really slow, we're going to annoy you with the effects. You pretty much Ship nailed it. it. Yep. <laughs> I yep. mean, I, I love Rage 2. I All love right, well, I'm game. sold. I guess I'm on board now. <laughs> well, there's nothing to sell because it's free DLC, right? Which is cool. Yeah. And I'm really glad they're updating it. And the way they're updating it is so neat. There's like... um Every week or so, there's like a new thing you can do. And they added uh, they added a mission of the game where you can go collect these three things and you can go get a, a new mech. And I'm really glad they're doing it. It's it's a really cool way to add this um, updates and online kind of fun and these events into Rage 2 that's ostensibly a single player game. And I remember that um, it got a lot of junk for this. They're like, oh, it's an online only game and that kind of thing. You you can turn the network card off. You don't need to do any of this stuff, right? But it really is neat. And a lot of the stuff is actually really cool. A lot of the missions are cool. This is probably the first one where I was like, hmm, I kind yeah. of get why this maybe didn't ship with the main game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do like the idea that they have on, like, it almost feels like a like an MMO in a way, the way they're kind of rolling out content gradually, but it's entirely single player. You cannot play multiplayer on it. So it's an interesting way to kind of roll that content out. And like one of the things I've complained about in the past with games is that by the time the first big DLC pack rolls out, I haven't played the game in like a month and a half and I've kind of already switched on and you know, I don't really want to go back and play it. I think with what they're doing with rage Two kind of keeps you coming back in gradually to get this new content. So I'm more likely to be totally into the idea of playing more DLC when it comes up. I, I don't think I've ever seen a game do content like this. So it's, it's pretty cool. 
I agree. And I and I think you see companies like CD Projekt Red get a lot of accolades for releasing free DLC, but this has all been free. I think perhaps Rage 2 got maybe a little maligned at launch because you could buy Rage Coins and you could use those Rage Coins to get um, weapon skins or whatever, but you you don't need to do that. Uh, it's just a skin. There's plenty you can just unlock for free in the game, and I have, and they're they're fun. They're also not necessary at all. So... Yeah, in fact, I was just playing Mutant Bash TV and I and I unlocked a shotgun skin at, for like this like graffiti shotgun skin, you know, yellow and orange. And it's just kind of um, extremely gaudy, but I kind of love it because, <laughs> you know, Rage is sort of that way, you know, just these really bold colors and that that sort of thing. So, yeah, no, Travis, I agree. I, I think it's cool. And, you know, we've got the rise of the ghost. Well, talk more about rage two later but yeah cool yeah uh, as for what i've been watching um so my wife and i have an interesting anniversary celebration uh tradition where we watch bad movies and you know, we, yes. we love we love bad movies that you can kind of laugh with and we watched two last night a Catwoman with Halle Berry and who, oh, wow, that is a rough movie, but you know, trying to, uh, trying to, I like, think you mean a great movie. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's great. If depending on what you're looking for, <laughs> I'll say that, um, you know, trying to find really nice things to say about this. I will say that the choreography in some of these fights is actually really solid. And I really give Halle Berry a lot of credit for just committing to this, it's it's so cheesy and out there but she just commits to it and it's kind of great to see that i mean the the plot and most of the acting and the cinematography and the editing all kind of leave something to be desired but now if you're looking for a a bad movie to love you should check that one out uh also we watched the meg which i think the meg was very intentionally like the meg knew what it was about it was kind of a big budget version of some of those sci-fi Sharknado type movies. And Oh, it's fantastic. It's I'd say like, um, Lake Placid is the king of those. And this one is like right below it. It's so fantastic. Uh, I mean, pretty, pretty much anytime you see Jason Statham in a movie, you know, it's going to be that kind of movie and he's perfect for this movie. It's, it's, it's pretty hilarious. Um, also we watched, started watching Jessica Jones the last season just dropped on Netflix on Friday and we've watched a couple episodes of that um kind of sad to see the Netflix Marvel stuff dying off but uh I'm glad that some of them got to go out on their own terms and looking forward to seeing what the rest of the season is like but yeah that's uh that's about it for me cool thanks Travis so what I've been watching is finally my wife and I were able to go see Avengers Endgame. So this is the second time that I've seen it. So we were able to step away and watch it again. Um, definitely not as good as the first time I watched it, but very enjoyable. Really cool to be able to check it out a second time. One of the things that was different this time around was Tom Holland greeted us right before the film and said, hey, this is where we would show you a trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home, but we can't because it spoils the movie you're going to watch. So hang on at the end of the movie and watch the sweet trailer. That was really cool. They, they actually didn't have that 
when I watched Event Endgame the opening night, right? Because that trailer hadn't been out yet. So that was really fun to see that in the theater. It was actually really fun to see um, the uh, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker trailer again. I I actually think this is this, the trailer I've seen the most in my life now, even more than the Force Awakens teaser. I already think that Ray jumping over the TIE fighter is one of the most iconic scenes in Star Wars now. I (laughs) I think that's true. Um, I don't know how I like I get chills just watching her do that every time. It's so amazing. So I don't know how this became me talking and being more excited about Star Wars. Well, it's this show. We've got to talk about Star yeah, Wars at least yeah, once. Exactly. Yeah, we circle back to Star Wars a lot on this Yeah, show. yeah, we do. We do. We do. So Avengers Endgame, really fun. Can't wait for it to come out on 4K. Of course, we're going to watch it. I'm going to review it again. You know, Tim will be able to review it in the show uh, with us because he missed that. But like, I don't know. It was really fun to see again. And I'm I think I'm more excited about episode like the rise of Skywalker. But we're going to get Endgame, and that was really fun. And, 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 I'm, and I'm really happy to watch them in order. So Infinity War and Endgame to see kind of how they, how they, how they sort of work together. So uh, I love dinosaur movies. Um, I love Jurassic Park uh, as a franchise. I remember seeing it um, the opening week in theaters. Um, so great. Such a great movie franchise and i uh recently i purchased jurassic park fallen kingdom i and i watched it got on 4k i just really want to give a hat tip to j.a bayona he is the director that i think finally embraced the camp of what jurassic park is and the campy premise and this is where i think where this is like a divide between part of the audience and maybe I should say most of them, if you read the reviews, that didn't really understand that this movie is campy on purpose. <laughs> like it is in this movie, guys, I crap you not. Um, uh, Star Lord jumps through a T-Rex's mouth <laughs> and does a roll and a little bit of flip. That's not that's like. It's like embracing what it is in this movie. I don't really want to spoil it, but like, I don't think there's a spoiler because it's kind of in the trailer, but they go like it's I, I call this movie Jurassic Park Monster Mansion because half half of the movie is them in a mansion where there are dinosaurs in the mansion. And it's amazing. It's so much fun. And it's just campy as all heck. And it's so well put together. Anyways, hat tip to Jay Bayona, because, again, it's this like Travis, you were mentioning between bad movie. Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom is not a bad movie. In fact, it's. I think I think it's underrated in terms of how good it actually is. He's he's an expert craftsman in this. And I will go down in flames on this point. Jurassic Park <laughs> is a really, really good movie. And um, and it's campy on purpose. And it's just the right amount of camp with just the right amount of actual sort of emotional stakes and that kind of thing. So very, very cool. I'm, I, I'm really happy to own this one. I think it's better than Jurassic World. I think that it's really cool where they're going to take the franchise next and when you have, uh, oh, who's the guy that was in the original Jurassic Park and he was also in Thor Ragnarok? Ah, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum. He's in it. They got him for four hours to be in the movie. You could totally tell they just had him for four hours to record something. But he's just it's just amazing how they have him and chewing scenery. He's got the final scene. I don't want to spoil it, but it's just the best. It's the best. When I saw that scene, final scene of Jeff Goldblum, I laughed and I had it. It was so mad. It was so amazing. Just the best way to end a movie. So, all right. So I'm going to move on. So, you know, for the longest time, Tim and Travis 
have talked about a show that I have never seen before called Black Mirror. Oh, said it was really good. Tim and Travis said there's this really great first episode where somebody has sex with a pig. We didn't say that was a great episode. No, no. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we recommended skipping that first one. Yeah, and then coming back to it maybe later. Yeah, pretty sure it was your favorite. Anyways, (laughs) so I I, that's what I that's what I that's what I heard anyway. So what I watched was not that pig one. I watched uh, a, a, a an episode. Out of season five called Jack, Rachel, Jack and Ashley, too. So why did I watch an episode of Black Mirror? I hadn't. Why did I watch a season five episode that start back at the first season? Well, because I'm a really big Nine Inch Nails fan and Nine Inch Nails sort of had a had an involvement with this season of Black Mirror in that there's an episode that is a sort of homage slash parody of Hannah Montana. So if you don't know, Hannah Montana was a show on the Disney Channel that featured one Miley Cyrus as a young lassie. And uh, sorry, that it's just I don't know. That's kind of sexist. Sorry, I don't mean that in that way. Just as a young woman. um, And she is in the show and she, you know, she sings and she solves I don't know, crimes or whatever. I don't really know, but it's this serial show where she's in it and she plays Hannah Montana and then another character, I think, you know, one's a singer and one's a regular person. And uh, my little sisters loved it and never actually saw it. But one of the things, uh, and so this uh, Black Mirror episode parodies that um, in terms of its tone and, you know, the tropes that it um, that it goes with. It kind of feels like some people have said it feels like an Amblin movie and it really does in a lot of ways. So the, the, the thought is that, um, uh, Miley Cyrus is a pop singer, much like in real life. And she's sort of, um, coming out with this doll who's an AI that sort of mirrors her exactly. And then hijinks ensues cause it's a black mirror episode. I don't want to get into what it ensues, but one thing that I saw on social was, uh, Miley Cyrus singing, uh, versions of nine inch nail songs with slightly different lyrics. So for instance, one of the, um, songs is head like a whole. And uh, it's it's very different. It's a very uplifting <laughs> pop song. Like, I'm going to get what I deserve because I've got, you know, a, a nice attitude or whatever, which is the exact opposite of that song. So I was kind of interested in watching the episode. And I thought it was pretty fun. It's pretty fun. It's really weird seeing pop versions of Nine Inch Nails songs and them totally miss the point of the original song. Um, and in it, she actually sings a really, really haunting rendition of... Um, a song off with teeth and it's really really good um right where uh yeah so it's a it's a really good version of that song so very cool yeah i think that if you look at like the imdb scores on that episode people are kind of tearing into it and i don't get it that was up there in my top five episodes of black mirror and i think i don't know maybe people don't want humor or like that overtly humorous content in their black mirror or something. And now we'll tell you straight up that most of these episodes don't have happy endings. Like, well, spoiler alert, don't have happy endings like that one. Um, that one actually had a happy ending. And yeah. I don't know that a lot of black mirror episodes have that. At least that's not what I've heard anyway. But like we rewinded some parts of this to watch them over again because they were just so damn funny. Like when, um, I don't want to say anything too spoilery, but when, uh, the, AI gets a little bit more agency. I'll just say that that is freaking hilarious. Like when you first find out what's going on and Miley Cyrus was fantastic in this. I don't think I'd 
ever seen. She's a really good actress. Yeah. She really is. I don't think she's I've got ever actually seen range. her in anything. Mm-hmm. I've heard mm-hmm. her music, obviously, but I don't think I've ever seen her act. And she's really good in this. But yeah, yeah, I love that one. I, probably my favorite of the season. I think if I'm looking at th- this episode seemed like a movie, right? So maybe they were thinking like, well, we have all these ideas for movies and maybe this is a, a good idea for a movie. Because frankly, I would have rather have seen this as a movie than Bandersnatch. But the idea of Bandersnatch is more novel but this feels like more of a movie to me than Bandersnatch wasn't a movie. I, again, I know why they went with Bandersnatch because it's more in the style of Black Mirror and this would have been like in the style of Stranger Things, frankly. Um, but I'm glad they made it. I thought it was really fun. I didn't I didn't really have a whole lot of critique of it. Does it hold to scrutiny? No, but it's a um, it's a parody of those Disney special shows and they're really dumb. So and their logic and they're sort of spoofing that, which I thought was pretty funny. Not to say that it, you know, like excuses some of that, but it was really fun. I liked it. All right. So let's get into a little bit what I've been playing and this will be brief. I've been playing and working on Tale of the White Wyvern. So now I'm spending um, a lot of time playing the game and balancing it. I, I don't even think it's ready for us to have other people beta test it yet because I haven't even made it through one time in the game where it was like, okay, this balance feels right. So I'm doing that a lot, um, which is just a series of starting over at level one and going again and then inflating myself up to a higher level and trying battles out, master fights and that kind of thing. That's been fun. It's a fun game. I really like it. Also been playing a, a, quite a bit of Rage 2, making my way through the story. Really enjoy that game. Just got the rocket launcher. This isn't your mama's rocket launcher in Rage 2. <laughs> it could like like you can use it to like see like lock on to people and then it fires the rockets straight at them. It's so fun. It's so cool. And a game, a brand new game. And I started playing it yesterday, um, came out and Valve released it. Shockingly enough, Valve just came out with a brand new game called Dota Underlords. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, I don't play Dota or whatever. It's an interesting game. It's like a it's like an it, it's it's based after a mod in Dota 2 called Auto Chess, which is funny because Dota itself was a mod of a Warcraft 3 game. But I digress. Um, Dota Underlords um, Valve was like, this is a cool mod. We're going to make it into a free to play game. Basically, the idea of the game is you pick a character and you keep um, and then you have this character and you put them on a chessboard and they then once they go, they're automatic. They just kind of make their white swipes called auto chess and they attack guys and then they level up. And then uh, you start off sort of like killing a few creeps and then you add more characters to the board. And the strategy of the game is picking characters that synergize with each other. For instance, if you've got a little shield and you pick another character with a little shield, then you get bonuses. If you have enough people with shields, there's, you know, this little claw thing where if you pick guys that all have claws, then they'll synergize there and you'll get special bonuses. So that's one of the strategies to do. You can also level up your characters and you can also organize them on the chessboard and then you press go and they make their way across it. This is the first Valve game that I've seen where the majority of people play it on their phones because you totally can. And it's if you're looking for a fun game on your phone that actually is pretty deep strategically that's made by Valve, you should get you should try Dota Underlords. I'm actually going to do a review on Cheerful Ghost. 
I think it's fantastic. It takes a little bit to understand, so I'm going to post on Cheerful Ghost about some of the rules, but it's pretty simple, but it's pretty... The choices that you make and when you choose to level, you know, to versus when you choose to buy a character versus when you choose to upgrade them and how you buy them in the orders is really important. And it's very, very cool. And it's totally great in a tap context. It might actually be better on phone than it is on desktop. Um, Dota Underlords. Very surprised that I really enjoyed that. It's really popular right now on Steam. Hey everyone, this is Tim from Cheerful Ghost Radio. My co-host and I want to thank you for listening to our show. We have a lot of fun making this podcast, and I hope you enjoy it too. If you like what we're doing and you want to support us, you can do so on Patreon. Patreon is a site where people can fund the things they love. If you choose to support us at the membership level, you'll also get some awesome benefits on the Cheerful Ghost website. So head over to CheerfulGhost.com, click the heart icon at the top of the page, and support us on Patreon. Thanks! So E3 2019 just wrapped up. It was a very different year. Uh, A totally absent Sony from this event yet. I think there was a lot of really cool gaming news. Some folk have noted that there was way less game news out of E3 this year than ever. Frankly, I think it just means that we were able to understand all of it, which I think is really good as opposed to missing a ton um, or at least you know, it's really easy to figure out what you like after this year. So we're going to go straight into it. Um, we're going to sort of take turns talking about different parts of E3 2019. So we're going to go into the PC list, sort of a big old grab bag of crazy stuff. Firstly, talk about Cyberpunk 2077, which some say is the game out of E3 that took all of the oxygen in the room. I think that's probably true. I think what's maybe more true is that Keanu Reeves did. (laughs) And (laughs) Cyberpunk 2077 is um, getting a lot more uh, attention because of that. So, I mean, if it turns out to be a Keanu Reeves BFF simulator, I think I'd be pretty okay with that. Oh, yeah. I think I think clearly gaming is wants that to be the case. So for all y'all, let's just cut straight to the chase. Cyberpunk 2077 is coming out next year sometime, I think. So and they have a date. I just don't know what it is. But are you getting it? Are you guys going to pick this game up? Cyberpunk 2077. It's yes, definitely an upgrade over 20. 2001 cyberpunk (laughs) (laughs) you're picking it up yeah it may not be a day one purchase for me um but that world looks incredible i just want to explore it and walk around in it and admire all the artwork and world building that's in there the main character is i don't know he looks like every other dude bro main character in a game ever i'm just on board for that world (laughs) <laughs> well, they the, have, the art style, the music, it all looks and sounds incredible. And they have said that they're making um, like pretty deep character creation. Like you can choose a variety of like feminine and masculine parts and kind of mix and match to make basically whoever you want as the playable character with like uh, different voices. So it's, it's going to be yeah. a big grab bag. But yeah, I agree with you that what they showed looked kind of like, you know, the basic protagonist that we've seen in everything. <laughs> you could just swap out his outfit and plug him into any other game and it would look 
normal. Yeah. <laughs> but no, this game looks so like the depth of it looks so amazing. Like even like down to what you're wearing can af- affect how people react to you. Like uh, I'm assuming the powers are going to be like an insane skill tree to unlock shit and all the mods you can install on yourself. But for me, really, like you said, the, the environment of it is just stunning. It looks like, um, like part blade runner, part deus ex and it's beautiful. And plus Keanu. I mean, you can't go wrong with Keanu Reeves. If yeah. you're going to get cyberpunk 2077, how y'all playing it? Are you planning on steam? PlayStation, Xbox, GOG? <laughs> uh, it'll probably be on PlayStation 4 uh, because I don't think my PC could do it justice. <laughs> and that's a game where I'm going to want to, uh, you know, have the highest settings possible. I'll probably do PC. Probably. Awesome. So one piece of news out of this year's E3 that surprised me, but I was very, very happy to see is terraria journey's end so tldr on that they've it's the last and final terraria patch uh, we uh have cheerful ghosts been following terraria for quite some time really enjoy that game quite a lot and we've been following this latest patch that's been taking quite a while my thinking here is that this, you know, Relogic is spending part of its time working on a new game and part of its time working on Terraria Journey's End. And I think that's really cool. You know, finally, we're going to get, you know, that final bit of content that we've been waiting for, but then also, you know, kind of understand, you know, sort of where the game's at in its life cycle. I think there's a lot of life left in Terraria. Frankly, they say Journey's End here. I sort of don't really believe it. I sort of think that, you know, maybe in five years they might, you know, crack it open again and put a little update in there for fun or whatnot. But you never know. Obviously, this this might be the end. I kind of sort of view it like I view a Nine Inch Nails you know, like waving goodbye concert series right there go back like five years later. Right. So, um, I don't know, Tim, Terraria journey's end. What do you think? I'm just excited to get more Terraria. I am very much looking forward to our next, uh, cheerful ghost server. I know we'll be doing that once the update hits. Uh, of course, sad to hear that this is the planned ending. I imagine the mod community will keep this game going for a much longer period than you would, you know, expect for a, a typical game. So I, I don't think Terraria is going to be going away entirely for a very long time. But I also get that it's, you know, the developer is probably ready to move on. I mean, they've updated and retweaked this game so many times already that it's, you know, practically a, a brand new game compared to what it originally released as. It's not even recognizable. So I I get why they're ready to move on. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Um, I think that I've been kind of holding off on mods because I don't I never wanted to make a world that I could never go back to. And so I'm I'm kind of looking forward to like if this is the end and they stop, you know, they roll out their fixes for a while after this update drops then i'm going to jump into some mods and just see what's out there because there's a ton out there i've I've watched some videos with just some really crazy stuff that you wouldn't expect to see in the game um but yeah like the stuff that we saw in the video 
uh, the the trailer for Journey's End. There's a lot of a lot of new content coming, and this feels kind of like the I guess 1.3 patch in terms of how much they're adding, and like including golfing, like mini golf, I, something I never thought anybody would think to put into Terraria, but there it is. I mean, I'm sure I'll play it some, but it seems like yeah. an odd choice, but you know, that was, that was not something I was asking for, but I look forward to trying exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, this game, this game means so much to me. Um, I remember John, you got on to me like a few times, like, dude, you got to play this game. You got to play this game. And then you're like, we're putting together the server. You have to come play with us. I'm like, fine, I'll buy it. It's on sale for two fifty. I got in and like an hour later. I'm like, what the hell is this? Why do you give a shit about this game? But you know, it really grows on you once you get past like the first couple hours of it. It's so deep and so involved in what you can do. It's it's amazing. Yep, agree with what you're both saying here. Another thing that sort of came out that Will highlighted on Cheerful Ghost was that limited run run is releasing a ton of games. In this next year, I've really enjoyed the limited run is done. They take indie games or games out of print. They give you a physical release. Um, they limit it to the amount that people are going to buy, frankly, and you know, for a limited period. So we can get physical copies of the games that we love for collectors or that time when the switch or whatever PlayStation four is not going to have the download um, feature anymore. So you can't get that game anymore. I really appreciate what they're doing. You can go to Cheerful Ghost to get a full list of that, but a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, yeah, it's really interesting that they're going to be re-releasing certain games like Pod, like Episode One Pod Racer on the Nintendo sixty four again, and the PC as a CD ROM again. So really cool, really interesting. Uh, I'm really curious what they're going to put into those specifically. Um, yeah, and I tip my hat over to Travis to talk about another game yeah this isn't really in the um the pc category like we've been talking about but it doesn't fit anywhere else in the show but uh square enix dropped a new trailer and some new information about the final fantasy 7 remake coming to playstation 4 in march next year and talked about how it's going to be an episodic thing like they're not releasing it all on day one it's going to be like the first chunk of it and then you have to wait a little bit for the rest of it so uh i've been this game has been on my radar since it was a rumor like a decade ago. And now we finally have some concrete news. We know when it's going to release and I'm pretty excited about it. Tim, I know you've said that you're pretty excited about it as well. What did you think about this new coverage? Oh man. Um, I mean, I was excited for a remake before, but I am fully on board the hype train. Now the, uh, the new trailer looks fantastic. Uh, the gameplay preview they did looks like it's taking the best of, you know, they're kind of like more action oriented games like Final Fantasy 15 or Kingdom Hearts while adding in just like that throwback to the menu based combat from the older games just to kind of like tie it together. It looks awesome. I cannot wait to get get my hands on this. Yeah, you mentioned that new battle system, and uh, I was honestly a little bit worried about the idea of a pure turn-based like strategy or rpg like final fantasy 7 with brand new graphics like i felt like if they just did that it wouldn't feel right sitting there and waiting until your bar fills up before you can attack with modern flashy graphics so and i really do like how the new battle system looks um 
I, I know Final Fantasy 13's battle system was pretty heavily maligned, but I thought it was fantastic. And this reminded me a little bit of that and um, uh, Crisis Core, Final Fantasy VII spinoff that came out on the PSP a few years back. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm a, the only thing that I'm mixed on is they're, I, they're planning to do it in episodes instead of doing it all at once. But I guess people are clamoring for it so hard. They're just trying to get it out like what they can get out next year. Yeah. Um, I was a little surprised when they originally announced that they were going to do it in episodes and was a little worried at the time, but so far I'm liking everything I've seen. The, uh, the first installment is apparently going to be on two Blu-rays. Yeah. Uh, I imagine the graphics have a lot to do with that. (laughs) Yep. But that is that is a lot of game yeah, that kind of, they're packing in there, especially if they're planning to do three episodes of that. Right. It's just so odd to think like there's not even an entire game, like a third of a game on two Blu-rays. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah, I really wonder how they're going to handle like transitions in between the games. Like, does your save file carry over? Do you like yeah. you know start with a new party in the new game? Because there's characters that don't even get you know that won't even be introduced in this first first uh episode because you don't meet them in midgar (laughs) so i uh i look forward to hearing more about how they're going to handle the transition in between the different episodes oh yeah john how about you are you going to play final fantasy 7 remake no i won't primarily because i never played it on the playstation that was kind of an era of gaming where I wasn't really involved in it so much because I, you know, was off to college and, you know, off doing other things and being in a band. And I wasn't really into gaming around the PlayStation here. And even if I was, I wouldn't have been able to afford one anyway. So, no, no, the sort of the 64 PlayStation era, I was off um, mostly playing PC games. You know, at least I had a PC that wasn't great, but I could still play games on it. So skip that era. Kind of want to come back and play Final Fantasy VII, but if I did, it'd probably be the original. I will tell you, the original doesn't age well, but it's still, like, in terms of how it looks, but it still plays well. Well, Yeah, the the graphics did not age well, but the gameplay is still solid. And the storyline is still fun. Yeah, absolutely. So the good news is I don't really care if the game looks like shit. Um, (laughs) I play lots of retro (laughs) games, you know. You know, people give the original Legend of Zelda a lot of shade and say it doesn't hold up. And I think those people need to be burned alive. Yeah. So I don't not that I don't understand where they're coming from, but I I guess since I memorized the whole game, I don't really think that it's hard to understand because they've memorized everything, I suppose. But if you didn't, maybe it would be. But um, so I don't you know, I don't really need it to be perfect. And I know the PlayStation era is one of the ones that don't scale up very well because they were trying to do these you know, like mixing 3D that doesn't look very good with mm-hmm. um, this kind of like background art that doesn't look good. So, yeah, it's fine. I'm cool about that. Yeah, I will say that eight and nine hold up far better now than seven does just because it was still a new thing to them. And all the characters are so blocky and triangular. <laughs> it's it's uh, and spiky. It's, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> A lot of people uh, I know in this era of gaming, a lot of people gave Nintendo junk because they're like, well, you know, PlayStation, you know, you have better graphics and you have CD ROMs and that was the hot thing. And it could play an audio CD and you could, you know, have these epic um, 
storylines, but I would argue that the 64 graphics, even though they had less textures, obviously, and this kind of thing hold up far better than most of the PlayStation era games. I know obviously that's a debatable point, but I think the art style Nintendo chose um, scales up a whole lot better. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about the EA conference, but um, you know we talked about their list of games they talked about at the, their conference and came up with one game only that we felt like we had a lot to say about. Uh, the other games just don't really hit us, but Jedi Fallen Order, the new Star Wars game, did look great to us. It's a new game by Stig Asmussen, who did a lot of work on the God of War series back in the day, and... Yeah, this game looks kind of bonkers with, uh, you know, that we finally get a new single player Star Wars game. People have been clamoring for this ever since EA got the rights to make new Star Wars games. And it's been nothing but Battlefield and mobile stuff. So our Battlefront, sorry, and mobile stuff. So it's, this is some exciting news. So, John, what do you think about Jedi Fallen Order? OK, so here's what I think about sadly about star wars video games i don't think they're very good so i am not looking forward to this game at all just because like for me star wars video games with an interesting premise and fun gameplay don't usually translate to be very good in my opinion so i'm not like on board the hype train for this and much less interested now that ea is in charge of doing the game i don't find the kind of games they make to be interesting to me generally speaking i think the game that i thought was the most interesting thing they've done in a long time has been um we played it recently it was the new game by oh it's the new battle royale game we even reviewed it on the show what was the name uh, apex legends apex legends amazing game amazing game um, really, really like that a lot. I played a little bit of the um, Battlefront 2 game, and I thought that was interesting, but largely not my thing. So I'm really going to, for me to get interested in a Star Wars game, I'm immediately skeptical, right? I don't think we've hit the heights of TIE Fighter, Rebel Assault, or um, the Old Republic since, okay? And and I thought, you know, Jedi... Um, uh, what was the game? There was a new there's kind of a Star Wars game that looks a lot like this, actually. Dark. No, it wasn't Dark Forces. That was a really cool game on DOS, too. Talking about Force Unleashed. Uh, Force Unleashed. Yeah. Force Unleashed. This looks just like that, frankly. Um, and I thought the Force Unleashed was OK. And I've got it. I thought it was pretty good. So, you know, I'm with any like I said, any Star Wars game. I am really skeptical i'm gonna wait to hear what people say if it's really cool if it's not a loot box fiasco if it's not a drm fat maybe maybe i'll i'll be interested in this game but no i'm not frankly i would rather take all these really interesting ideas and just make more star wars movies or tv shows (laughs) (laughs) frankly that's what i want i don't want a star wars game i really just don't think it turns out very good but because i think my my expectations are really high and you can pretty much never meet expectations that are sky high. Most of the time you don't. So don't mean to be a naysayer here. It could be incredible, but I'm waiting to hear more. I've been I've been hurt too many times by Star Wars games. <laughs> Not looking to go into round two. All right, Tim, do you have a brighter outlook on this? A <laughs> little bit brighter. Yeah. I, I now, assuredly, I don't trust EA. 
I have not been uh, terribly impressed with their track record on most games for a long time. So, you know, so I look forward to see how they're going to screw up uh, a good thing here. But having said that, so far, everything I've seen looks pretty cool. The gameplay kind of looks like Assassin's Creed Jedi, and that's not a bad thing. <laughs> like, it, it looks fun. Like, I want to get my hands on it and try it out. Um, we will, I will definitely not be buying it day one, just because I've seen how a lot of their games start off <laughs> they have a lot of problems <laughs> yeah they have a lot Which of problems incredible uh, there's a lot that of bugs looked i will incredible. wait until they get right a couple updates in and then make a decision <laughs> but uh i you know it so far it looks very interesting the main character you know the the setting is interesting that's cool that this is a canon storyline so we're actually going to get to play a bit of star wars canon uh, Sar Guerrera is involved, so that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I look forward to seeing just how many Jedi survived Order sixty six and yet didn't show up in any of the main stories. Five thousand. Apparently, most of them are still alive. If you take all the book stories, comic books, and video games, apparently the Empire is really bad at killing all the none Jedi. None of them showed up when it was time to fight the Death Star. None, but. Of, none of them did. There's like five thousand out there, and they all decided to take a vacation. They all just noped their way out of the <laughs> the galactic war. I know it's exactly it's like how else are you going to make these games? You basically yeah. There's it was more than just Yoda and Obi Wan, obviously. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys on kind of being skeptical with EA behind it. Um, Stig being involved in it gives me a lot of hope for it because I loved his work in God of War. Uh, they've said that this is not going to have any microtransactions, so. If they hold to that, then that's another this is EA. I know. It's EA Travis. I know, but they they have said that. So if they hold to that, that's a very good sign for it. But mm. no, I'm I'm really excited about the game and apprehensive about it at the same time because of like the same things that you guys are saying. Uh, I think it looks a lot like it's a lot of fun, uh, especially some of the creative use of force powers you saw in that gameplay demo where like at one point he kind of stasis is the blaster bolt and then pulls the guy into it and then kills him with his own blaster bolt that was a brilliant idea but that was cool but yeah uh the story looks interesting enough um i'm kind of of mixed opinion on the need for these games new games to be canon because you know they've done a pretty good job of explaining away the jedi that survived order 66 in the past but uh you can't keep just like bringing up new jedi and then conveniently killing them before the battle of yavin so <laughs> i don't know uh actually course uh according to disney i just got a memo uh you can oh, okay um, <laughs> well good to know the mouse says they can do whatever they want the mouse says until the money stops coming you can do that uh but no my guess is that it has a lot to do with what disney wants which is all star wars media is now needs to fit in the canon and so you need to do these kinds of things to make it happen and whatever it's cool it's fine i i i think that whereas you have this huge fan desire to see more star Wars stuff. I'm not really sure it lands in star Wars history very well. Like me at some point I would really like star Wars to move on, I guess. 
And Star Wars is having a really hard time existing in a future sense. It's really good about sticking these stories into the past. Mm -hmm. I would love to see Star Wars solidly in the future. And we occasionally go back to the past. Um, I'd say that's more likely to happen once episode nine is done so that, you know, that that storyline is closed off and we don't have to worry about getting in the way of what JJ might want to do in episode nine. So once I feel like once that's once that's closed off, we might see more of that more like games and books and comics moving into the future. That may very well be. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Cheerful Ghost Radio is brought to you by CheerfulGhost.com and our theme music is by Creo. Make sure you head over to Cheerful Ghost to let us know what you think of the show and thanks for listening.